What's up everybody? Dan, Finder Boneyard, coming at you from the office. It is hot today. Uh, it's midday. Normally I do these in the morning, but uh, I tried to get some stuff done and then uh, come in the office. You might hear fan running or some noise in the background. It's probably the open window or the fan or something. I don't know. But uh, anyway, it's warm. I know that's what summer time is all about, is warm. But still, uh, yeah. So hopefully you are staying cool where you are. Um, so I have been getting a lot of comments, questions, whatnot about breaks. And I know I've done, I feel like I do a podcast about breaks every six months. But um, yeah, we'll talk about breaks and there's various kinds of breaks um you know pre 72 73 uh you only had drum breaks in the internationals um you know the early scouts had little tiny nine inch drums and they were barely adequate they had a single reservoir uh master cylinder um that you know one one reservoir powered all four wheels which kind of dangerous but that's how they did it back then and um and that's how the pickups were pickups had a single reservoir um power brakes were a thing but the hydrovac unit which was that was the power booster was remote mounted whether it was on the inner fender or mounted under the truck if it was a bigger truck but on the c-series there's actually a, an embossment on the inner fender where the hydrovac unit is supposed to mount um on the scouts wasn't an option and so uh you know you just had to live with it um Later on in the Scouts, they introduced 11-inch brakes, which is night and day over the 9-inchers. And it's not all about diameter. Uh, it's Sometimes it's about the width of the shoe as well. Um, so as the sh diameters were, were getting larger, the shoes were getting uh, better as well. Um, the pickups and travel alls, they had you know, 11s or 12s, and their shoes were usually inch and three quarter to two inches. Um, some of the heavier trucks had two and a halfs. Um, but as the years progressed, the brakes got um, bigger and more advanced. You know, the shoes, the drums got bigger and the shoes got wider and the ability to power them got more powerful. So they figured out stuff like leverage ratio on the pedal to the master cylinder, the diameter of the bore of the master cylinder matched to the diameter on the um, wheel cylinders because there's an important, important math problem there that's hard to um, convey, but 
it's you know the um how do i say it the fluid movement is what powers the movement of the shoe so you know if you have an inch and an eighth wheel master cylinder and an inch and an eighth wheel cylinder the movement of the pedal to the wheel cylinder is equal they both travel the same but if you have an inch and an eighth master and a one inch wheel cylinder the force exerted by the wheel cylinder is less but it travels farther because it's all about displacement so for example if you have like like scouts i want to say scout twos have a 15 16th wheel cylinder on some of them but the master cylinder bore is inch and an eighth and then so it doesn't provide like super powerful braking to the rear wheels um, but yet you've got disc brake front which is very powerful so i think there was some fine tuning and some balance work in there to where you didn't want the rear wheels to lock up before the fronts on the pavement or you know or you do i i don't know depends on what you want but you know there was a proportioning block that that's where the master cylinder feeds a proportioning block and the proportioning block is what dictates how much fluid travels to the rear and the front um, brake systems so I know I jumped ahead there. I get, I get, uh, I don't know. I go off on a tangent, but anyway, speaking of proportioning blocks, the drum brake trucks of the '60s, Scouts trucks, Travelalls, they had a distribution block, a little proportioning block, but it wasn't really a proportioning block. It was more of a brake safety because there was a little pill and plunger inside there and then there's a switch on it so that if you lose a wheel cylinder or a brake hose in the back and you go to press on the pedal the rush of fluid would slide that little pill back and slow the fluid loss down or stop it sometimes and then trigger a warning light on the dash so then you would know like hey there's a problem but what i found is if you lose a wheel cylinder or tear a hose you feel it in the pedal immediately so unless you're like oblivious and i know some of you are no offense but some of you are oblivious you should know like hey my brake pedal feels like hell right now and there sh i should do something about it but yeah so that triggers a warning light so it wasn't until the um late 60s that you started seeing dual reservoir brake systems so that you know front brakes had a, their own reservoir and rear brakes had its own reservoir and that way if there was a problem and you did lose all the fluid you still had 
of, you know, half of the truck to slow you down. So that all worked great until the disc brake changeover in 73. And then they had to add the proportioning block because if you slam on the brakes too hard and you get too much brake force on the rear wheels, the rears will lock up and the fronts won't perform as good as they can. So the proportioning block is supposed to help with that. Um, but they still did more fine-tuning with the size of the wheel cylinders and the brake line size and, and all that stuff. So there's a lot of science in there and math problems and whatnot that I'm not smart enough to convey to you. But I just know that you don't want to go changing um, master cylinders or wheel cylinder bores without really thinking about it. You know, if the factory is inch and an eighth, you want to stay around inch and an eighth. Um, the only caveat to that is if you switch over to like Hydro Boost and you're running four wheel discs, then you can get away with a large bore master, like inch and a quarter. Um, but anyway that's a that's another deal but anyway the uh important thing is that you try and stick to stock size bores and line sizing whenever possible because you're going to get the best brake performance out of that now if you're doing modifications like i said four-wheel disc or other updates then that kind of changes as well but but for this podcast we'll try and stick to more stock type stuff but um the important part about getting drum brakes to work well is making sure that your wheel cylinders are fresh so that there's no fluid escaping making sure that your shoes are good and oriented correctly because there's a long shoe and a short shoe and if it gets put on backwards the brakes don't work very well and making sure that your master cylinder is actually moving the fluid like it's supposed to i've driven plenty of manual brake four-wheel drum trucks and they stop fine Palm Olive, Josie Scout, for example, stops amazing. Stops in a straight line and it stops very quickly. And it's because it's got 11 inch brakes front and rear, it's got fresh master cylinder, and everything is adjusted correctly. Yeah, modern brakes are self adjusting, but they don't do a very good job of it. And so it's important to make sure your brakes are adjusted correctly and evenly so that your drums will stop you. And they will. Drum brakes in normal daily driving, they are not that bad. Um, it's when you get off-road, they get wet and muddy, then they get kind of bad. Um, you know heavy heavy stop and go traffic can heat them up sometimes but even then they're not they're not that bad um 
the disc brake conversion or update uh, that they did in the 70s in the Scout 2s, yes, those stop even better. They're more reliable and they stop more equally. Um, but I think sometimes you run into other problems where if you overheat them too many times and you get rotor warp and you get that surgy pedal, um, you know, if a if friction material comes off, which I had happen, the, you know, you lose a pedal pretty much altogether. And uh, at least on drum brakes, if the friction material comes off, it gets wedged in there and, you know, either continues to work or it makes a bunch of noise and you've got to do something about it. But on a disc brake truck, if the friction falls off the pad, it, you know, it takes a minute to figure out what the hell's going on. Um, so I don't know. It goes either way. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think that disc brakes are, are the way, you know, the way that things need to go. Of course, I'm not saying, you know, convert everything back to drum brakes. I'm just saying if you have a drum brake scout and you are torn on what to do, you know, getting all of the drums working correctly and the way it was originally, you might be in it 500 bucks. A, you know, disc brake conversion and then so dealing with getting it working right and all of that stuff, you know, what are they, $1,100, $1,200? And I've known several people that have done the conversions and then were disappointed that the performance wasn't better. Because really, to run disc brakes, you got to have a booster. You need that power. Power brakes go so far in making the rest of the systems work the way they should. And so again, you didn't start seeing power. I mean, you saw power brakes in the in the full size stuff in the '60s, but it wasn't until '72 that it hit the Scouts, and then it was in the Scouts forever. You couldn't get a manual brake Scout too. Um, there might have been an early one, you know, like an 810 or a, a real, real early 72 that might have had manual brakes. I, I think I had, I think I've had one or two in here. I've had a couple with manual steering, which I thought was also an oddity. But as far as the brakes go, all, pretty much all the Scout 2s were power brake. And then pretty much all of the full sizes were power braked after 73. Because it's just a better better way to do it. But um, even power brakes on a drum brake truck is still way nice. Like our power brake kits we sell for the C-Series, people just rave about how well it makes their drum brakes work. And, uh, and you know, that's that says a lot about that system as well. But, yeah, um, you just... Half of having a, or more than half, a big part of having good working brake system is just having good parts. Just, I mean, I know that sounds so stupidly elementary, but you'd be amazed how many people complain about stuff not working right, and then you find out that they're running, you know, original brake parts still. So, you know, having stuff work correctly, good parts 
you know, don't overlook the spring kits and the adjusters. Cause like a lot of people will go in and they'll buy a wheel cylinder and new brake shoes and then reuse the springs. And I just, for me, spring kits are cheap. They're like $12. So just, if you're going to do brakes, get the spring kit also because it, it just helps everything function the way it's supposed to. Uh, and don't sleep on the parking brake. There's, you know, adjustment there. Get your parking brake working as well because that's super handy to have. Um, you know, just it's just important. Uh, you have those systems working like they should because you don't want your rig rolling away. There's been too many of us that have seen it happen or been part of, you know, Jeff, uh, IH parts just about broke his leg when his scout took off backwards one time. And, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know, just another thing. You like, don't, don't go to all this trouble to get your brakes working and then not deal with the parking brake. Um, cause that's a, you know, some people call it an emergency brake. I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, it might work in an emergency. I've never had to, to use one, but uh, I wouldn't want to count on it to save my life. Um, but again, it's there for a reason. Uh, so don't, don't overlook it. Don't let your mechanic or whoever's working on it for you. If somebody is to, to tell you, you don't need it um, or, you know, something's obsolete or doesn't exist parts are out there they just got to look a little harder and um and they'll find them you know if you've got the obsolete you know the travel all breaks the like 11 by threes or whatever they are the the shoes you have to send out to be relined that they do not make those shoes anymore so they have to be relined um plenty of places still do brake shoe relining so don't let a shop tell you that it's not possible or that, you know, something's not doable. Just, it, it can be done. Wheel cylinders, there's a problem locating the C-Series driver side one. Um, that For whatever reason, they make tons of the passenger side, but not the driver side. So again, you know, you can get a rebuild kit and rebuild them. That's a, a dying art most shops don't want to do wheel cylinder rebuilds because a new wheel cylinder is $15 and they can change it, you know, in a minute. Whereas a rebuild, you've got to hone it, clean it up, do all that. So you lose a bunch of time and, uh, and it's, you know, it's just not as reliable. You, you rebuild a wheel cylinder too many times and then it loses its tolerance and, and it doesn't work as well. But sometimes that's all you can do. These guys with the old K and KB truck from the 40s, like some of those trucks, all you have left are rebuilt kits. And so, you know, if they got to do it, they got to do it. But don't overlook it. Um, and so, and then same disc brakes, uh, you know, make sure that the your calipers are sliding in the brackets like they're supposed to. Good pads. Don't get the cheap ones. You know, try to get middle of the road or better on your brake pads. Um, you know, well, Callahan Auto Parts there. If you're familiar with Tommy Boy. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, 
yeah, so just make sure it's amazing how well things work if you just clean them up, make sure they're functioning like they're supposed to, and put it back together. Like it really, you know, if your brake hoses are cracked and look questionable, you know, they're they're like eighteen dollars. Just change them out. I know it's another step, but they lasted fifty years. The new ones, if you're lucky, they'll last. 30 years but still you you know it's worth it uh especially with brakes like don't i hate seeing that on facebook when guys are like uh does anybody have a cheaper brake part is this master cylinder the one i really need it's like you're obviously have never been in a truck that's lost its brakes or had a brake problem that was scary because you have a couple of runaway rigs and you will change your tune forever. I guarantee it. Um, Cause yeah, being in a scout that just takes off and you can't stop it. That is a helpless, helpless feeling. And um, I was at King of the Hammers last year and the brakes on the scout were acting up real bad. And we put, like two master cylinders in it and it still wasn't working right. I was having a hell of a time. The brake pedal would just go soft all of a sudden on its own and uh, couldn't figure it out. And finally we discovered that one of the wheel cylinders was leaking, but it wasn't leaking so much that it made a leak out of the drum and it was obvious. It was just, weeping just enough that when you built up pressure it would bleed out and then the the pedal would go soft and then it would stay hard for a couple of pumps and then go soft and so it really was frustrating um it was hard wheeling some of these rock trails were difficult to do without brakes like i ended up just crashing through several obstacles and ended up you know breaking the rear axle tube out of the housing and some other stuff could have been just from hard wheeling or could have been from that but it's hard to say but no don't skimp on your brakes um but don't you also don't have to have four wheel discs with you know hydro boost and all this stuff on a sunday cruiser weekend driver like it's not it's not needed I mean, even my black truck, it's running Dodge axles with Dodge rotors up front and Dodge drums in the back and, you know, Chevy Hydro Boost brake setup. It stops wonderfully. The truck weighs 8,000 pounds and it slows it down great. And I do a ton of towing and all that stuff and it stops awesome and people are like oh when are you going to do rear disc it's like i don't think i am i think i'm going to leave it with the drums they the truck just works well maybe someday in the future i might go to like some big rotor kit or something if there's an affordable kit that comes along um because right now the only rotors are available or aftermarket you know will woods or something and and i just for as well as it stops with the drums i'm probably going to leave them on there a long time so so weigh your situation weigh your price points and you know what you can afford 
and and then go from there like i said good functioning stock brakes are fine they were fine in 1963 and they're fine now because if your scout is stock you're not going any faster than you were in 63 so your brake should work the same you know you should be a balanced setup per se now if you've got an ls in there and you're doing 110 on the highway yes upgrade your brakes don't be an idiot nine inch brakes are not going to be able to handle the high speed of the ls but again weigh your situation figure out what's middle of the road or what you need you don't have to have you know will woods on all four corners you can get away with stock if your truck is mostly stock um that if that said we're building a scout 2 right now with a six liter ls it's 450 horse 35 inch tires he needs a hydro boost and four wheel discs he lives in southern california he's going to be running in traffic at 80 and then zero and then back to 80 he needs the brakes so we're giving him big brake package powerful brakes and you know so like i said weigh your situation and your circumstance to what you need and uh and go from there but but yeah brakes they're good they work well when they work well they're good um yeah sorry i was all over the place i'm uh i'm not focused as well today end of day uh i've my brain is fried and so <laughs> i'm just all over the map and uh so hopefully you guys were able to glean something from that and not just me incoherently rambling about tommy boy um if you haven't seen tommy boy go see it and if you have seen it um you know <laughs> you know what i'm talking about but anyway uh hopefully that answered some questions or at least cleared up some stuff for you if you need to know anything else, you can always reach me on the social medias, uh, you know, Binder Boneyard across all the platforms. And, um, you know, if you have any questions, whatever, let me know. Try to do my best to answer them. So thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully next week I got a little bit more info. But until uh, next time, I'm Dan from Binder Boneyard. Yeah.